Hey, I'm Kat Chaos. And I'm Liz Gomez, also known as Hazy. And you're listening to Scary, Scary Encounters, Encounters with Hazy Chaos. Chaos, a podcast where we talk to some of our favorite bands and artists as they share scary encounters they've experienced and live to tell. This episode of Scary Encounters is brought to you by Anchor, podcasting made easy, anchor.fm. Mortis Viventi, the last authentic music brand dedicated to helping musicians and promoting music, mortisviventi.com. H.J. Tidy, Night Terror Publishing. Step into the bizarre world of H.J. Tidy, who is committed to introducing his readers to some of the most unusual, darker variety of true stories. Nightterrorpub.com. Sayasha Gianna, cosmic shaman, psychic medium, multidimensional healer, animal whisperer, teacher of empaths, healers, and starseeds. Are your encounters hitting too close to home? Contact Sayasha Gianna. Patreon.com slash Sayasha. Voided. Spooky artist who offers hand-painted, one-of-a-kind items, spooky pins, prints, stickers, and more. Lost in a void of what is dead. Voided.com. Hello, I'm Cat Chaos. And I'm Hazy. This is a very special episode dedicated to one of our season four sponsors, H.J. Tidy with Night Terror Publishing. Thank you so much for your support, and I'm excited. It is. I'm, I'm actually a little bit nervous, too, because, um, you know, back in school when they would do popcorn reading, I think that's where my anxiety started. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because you're like, fuck, please don't choose me. Please don't pick me. <laughs> and then they pick you, and then you're like, oh, my God, and you freak out. Yeah, I'd always go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because that made me think about did, did you ever have beef with other students in the class? Oh, and you chose them? Yeah, and they chose you, like, huh <laughs> For sure, and then you met them in the fucking playground after. <laughs> Played tackle football. Meet me at the monkey bars. You know? I or do. was that just me? Pink okay. Rivera? <laughs> well, I choose you to read right now. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, all right, well, today we're going to be reading um, one of many of his books that you can find at nightterrorpub.com. This one is My Creepy Paranormal Story, and all of his books are all true stories, which is pretty fucking crazy. Um, He has some true crime stories, ghost stories, paranormal, extraterrestrial. I really like the true crime one. I remember we binged, listened to that on our way to Fresno not too long ago. Yeah, I remember that too. Mm -hmm. It was a good time. Killed it quickly. Quickly, slowly. No, but um, again, we want to thank H.J. for allowing us to do this and trusting us to do this. Um, Good luck to us. You may have made a mistake, but we're here for it. (laughs) This isn't your regular Audible. It it isn't. It isn't. Um, I feel like it's kind of like reading Rainbow meets Goosebumps with a lot of F words. (laughs) That's an understatement. Am I right? Shit. Oh, there I go. You already cussed. There I go. Jesus. Anyways. I'm going to go ahead and read some of these chapter names for you guys, just so you guys can get an idea of what this book has in store for you all. I believe Kat already picked a few chapters she would like to read. I did read one of them beforehand. The other ones, they just caught my attention, so. There's a total of 11 chapters. Uh, The first one's uh, Cabin Encounter. Number two is Not Alone. Number three is Texter. Number four is Dad's Painting. Number five is Lady in White. Chapter six is Grandma's Doll. Chapter seven is Shack in the Woods. Shack in the woods. <laughs> I wonder what they were doing. <laughs> Giggity. Um, where was I? Chapter eight. Tell me your name. How about you say my name? <laughs> say my name. <laughs> uh, chapter nine. The neighbor or the girl next door. 
Are we getting curious? Okay, I'll stop. All right. Chapter down. 10, classified. Oh, see? <laughs> you're you're making me do this. This is too easy. <laughs> and then chapter 11, Lonely Cabin. Ooh. That was a reading rainbow effect for sure. Okay, sorry. There we go. That was goosebumps. Okay. Fuck yeah. We're ready for you. All right. Chapter four, dad's painting. I guess it started when dad bought the painting. Now, my dad isn't an art expert, but he does love a bargain. He found a painting on eBay, an original piece, that no one seemed to be bidding on. Dad snapped it up, virtually sight unseen. He spent days crowing about this great buy, quote unquote. When it was delivered a few days later, the first surprise was the size. Apparently, dad hadn't checked that out. It was about 24 by 36 inches, so not small. Mom was not happy, but dad said he'd move some stuff around in the living room and there'd be space for it. While dad had been talking, all I'd been able to see was the back of the painting. When he turned it around, I felt uneasy. The picture of a young boy, about five, with short black hair, standing in front of a glass-paneled door with a female doll propped up beside him. On the other side of the door, pressed up against the glass panels, were hands. Many hands. The whole image made me uncomfortable. The boy was frowning, looking unhappy, and almost aggressive. The doll had no eyes, just black holes. And the hands, well, they were quite disturbing, at least to me. Dad, however, was still thrilled. He kept going on about how lucky he was to get such a great piece, which apparently represented the line between fantasy and reality or something. He propped it up on the ottoman in the living room, saying he'd get around to mounting it on the wall one day, quote-unquote. We'd all heard this before. One day. Could very well be no day. After dinner that evening, I happened to look at the painting again. The boy's eyes struck me. The more I looked at them, the more they seemed to suck me in. I stared at it. It was almost as if I was looking into a mirror, his eyes and my eyes felt connected. He blinked. My heart leaped into my throat. I wanted out. I wanted to back away, but I seemed rooted to the spot. I couldn't move. The eyes never left mine. What you doing? My sister's voice broke the silence and seemed to knife through the connection between me and the painting. I turned away and was overcome by a sudden feeling of dizziness. I dropped into the chair, careful to avoid any glance at the painting. My sister came up to me. You okay? You look terrible. Yeah, I, I'm just dizzy. I shook my head. I've been up since early that morning, and I'd been out all day in the sun. Must just be a touch of sunstroke or something. I grabbed a bottle of water and headed off to bed. As most people would, I rationalized that experience. I just assumed it was me, my mind playing tricks on me. I'll admit, though, that I always tried to avoid looking at that painting when I went into the living room. Even without that strange moment, the picture would have still creeped me out. It's just had that weird vibe to it. It took me a while to realize it, but my sister was avoiding the picture too. Now I have to admit, we didn't talk that much. She's four years younger than me, which given I was 15, was enough to make our relationship rocky at times. It's that family thing, being too similar and too different at the same time. Anyway, I noticed that she would always choose a seat that kept the painting out of her immediate sight line whenever she was in the living room. 
She'd always try to stay as far away as possible, even if that meant going well out of her way. Usually, if I'd noticed behavior like that, I'd have used it against her, teased her about it. That's what older brothers are supposed to do. Not this time, though. This time, I shared at least a little of her fear. One night, when our parents had gone out, we were sitting in the dining room, and I asked her about it. She replied immediately and seriously, The boy is evil, she said. The whole picture is evil, and I don't like it. I didn't laugh. Instead, I asked, Why do you think that? She leaned across the table and looked at me straight in the eye. The thing it rests on, the ottoman, it moves, she whispered. I was going to laugh, tell her to stop trying to tease me, when I saw the look on her face. She was serious, deadly serious. She was scared. When? I asked. When mom and dad aren't in the room. Suppose no one's looking straight at it. It moves. It shakes. It's scary. I felt I had to do the big brother thing, be the voice of reason. It could just be vibration, you know, like if a truck goes past outside. She was silent for a few seconds. I could see a conflicted look at, on her face. I thought she was trying to process what I'd suggested. She wasn't. It's in my dreams, she whispered. What? I dreamed I was walking through the house. I came down the hall. The door to the living room was closed, but a red light was coming all around it. I was going to open the door. Then, from nowhere, there was an angel standing there. He was tall, blonde, with a big white wings and a sword of fire. He stopped me and said, Do not enter the living room. Never at night. Well, that's just a dream. I was trying to do the big brother thing again. That's not all. There were tears in her eyes now, and she looked scared. I've seen the boy. The boy in the picture? Yes. I was sleeping. I felt something pull on my leg. It pulled stronger and stronger, shaking me. When I opened my eyes, I saw that boy from the picture. He was there, grabbing my ankle. I couldn't move. I was so scared. And then? I'm not sure. He turned his head like something got his attention. Then he disappeared, and I was lying in my bed. She was crying now. I tried to convince her that it was all a bad dream, nothing more. But I was not convinced myself. I sat with her in her bedroom as she went to sleep that night only coming out when my mom and dad came home. I'm not sure if I stayed with her because she was scared or because I was scared. A couple of nights later, I was home alone. The others had gone out to a birthday party for one of my sister's friends. Because my parents knew the friend's parents, they'd gone together. I had no interest in an 11-year-old's birthday, so I stayed home. I was in my room surfing the net. I felt uneasy. My desk faces the window so I sit with my back towards the door to my room. Every few seconds, I'd get the feeling that someone was out in the hall looking in at me. I'd turn, and of course, there'd be no one there. I was alone in the house. I couldn't shake that feeling, though. At the time, I thought it was guilt. There are certain websites that a 15-year-old looks at only when he's... Gorchino. <laughs> my goodness. Only when he's alone in the house. I couldn't even concentrate on my surfing, I shut down the browser and looked behind me again. No one was there. I realized that the house was silent. He's just paranoid. <laughs> He's paranoid as fuck to get caught, huh? Right. Right? That seemed a little strange. Any house has some noise. And we lived on a reasonably busy road. I couldn't hear a thing. 
It was like something had muffled the whole world. It was uncanny. I concentrated, trying to hear anything. Then a scream split the silence. My whole body leaped out of the chair. It was a scream of absolute horror and fear. It sounded like the scream of a young boy, and it came from inside the house. It sounded like it came from my parents' room, but I was alone in the house, and I knew that. The silence again, the same silence, the same absolute silence. My heart was still racing. My hands were shaking. I tried to get a grip of myself. It was just an illusion, someone outside screaming, though I knew I heard a sound from inside the house. Maybe I'd fallen asleep in my chair for a second. I dreamed it all. Then I realized the house was no longer silent. I hear the music, a child singing. It was quiet at first, but started to build. My phone, maybe. Maybe it switched to some dumb ringtone or something. I picked it up. The screen was black. I pushed the button, still black. The music was getting louder. It was not coming from the phone. Nothing was coming from the phone. My phone was dead. I jumped out of my chair and dove across the hall into the bathroom. I slammed the door shut and quickly slid the lock. The bathroom is the only room in the house with a locking door. I huddled in the corner on the floor, my eyes on the locked door, as the music rose louder and louder. Then it stopped. Nothing. Silence again. Total silence. It, I was frozen in the bathroom. There was no way I was going out into that silence. No way I was going to see what was happening out there now. I started to relax a little when I began to hear loud noises again. The silence had gone. I stayed in the bathroom, though, till I heard the sound of my parents' car pulling up in the driveway. Then I slipped out of the bathroom and back into my bed, though it took me a long time to get back to sleep. The next day was sunny and clear. In the daylight, in the sunshine, all my fear of the night before faded away again. I told myself it was nothing. It must have just been a dream or something. It couldn't have been real. As it got dark, though, the unease returned. There was a feeling in the house. It wasn't just me that felt it. We all seemed upset, easily annoyed, and jumpy. My parents had a huge argument, something they rarely do. My father slammed the door of their room, and my mother said she'd sleep on the sofa in the living room. My sister, desperate for company, when she slept, said she'd sleep on the other couch too, to quote-unquote keep mom company. I went to bed feeling that the whole house seemed to be smothered in a haze of darkness, nothing physical, but a suffocating feeling that seemed to have spread across all of us. Surprisingly, giving my feelings and what had happened the night before, I fell asleep almost instantly. Later I dreamed. I was standing in the hall just outside my room. It was our house, but it was quote-unquote wrong. All of the windows were black like there was nothing outside the house. Like you do in a dream, I somehow knew something was coming. I turned toward the stairs. The lights on the stairway were on, but they started to flicker, slowly at first, then faster, almost as quickly as a strobe light. I walked towards the stairs and looked down. In a flickering light, I saw a small figure walking up towards me. I barely make out the parents. He seemed to be a young boy, but the colors were all wrong. His skin was gray, his clothes black. 
His head was down so that I couldn't see his face. Suddenly, the lights went off completely. I was left petrified, standing in the darkness. Then they came back on. The child was standing right in front of me at the top of the stairs. I knew he was small, but somehow he also seemed my height. I could look at him straight in the face. His gray features were contorted into a look of hate and aggression. He hated me. I could see it. His eyes glowed yellow and seemed to be getting brighter, burning into my mind. My thoughts rushed back to barely believed religious instruction. In the name of Jesus, leave me alone, I shouted at him. He vanished. I was left standing alone at the top of the stairs. Then I woke up. My room was pitch dark. My heart was pounding, and I was drenched in a cold sweat. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to do anything that might draw attention to myself. The dream had felt so real and so true. Finally, I gathered my courage and reached for my phone to check the time. 3 a.m., I'd have to find a way to get back to sleep. Then a scream ripped through the night. This time I recognized the voice. It was my sister. I leaped out of bed and raced downstairs to the living room, arriving at the same time as my father. We both rushed into the room to find my sister and my mother huddled together on the sofa. Their faces were white, their eyes staring. My father rushed to comfort mom. All thoughts of their argument were gone. I hugged my sister, feeling her galloping heart through her pajamas. What happened? Dad asked. Not here, Mom replied. At my mother's insistence, we all moved into the dining room with hot cocoa and coffee made. My sister told her story. She'd been asleep on the sofa. Something had grabbed her ankle and started pulling her. She had an old blanket pulled over her face, but it had a hole in it, and she'd seen who was there. It had been a little boy, about five, with short black hair. His face, though, it seemed to be falling off of his skull. She said she could see bone poking through. His eyes were empty black holes. She'd close her eyes, not wanting to see anymore. Then it seemed to stop, and she felt that she woke up again. The boy was standing in the living room. He started to run faster than any little boy could run out of the living room door, back in again. Then he stopped and stared at her. She said the stare felt evil, like she could feel the hate flowing off of him. Then she screamed, and he vanished. My mother had been quiet through this story. She looked concerned, though. I asked her why. Your sister screaming woke me up. It gave me quite a shock, she said. Just as I was waking up, I could have sworn there was another person in the living room with us. She didn't see him clearly. But for just a second, I'm sure I saw someone small standing there. All three of us turned to Dad. Get rid of that painting, Mom said. My sister and I nodded. Dad, to his credit, didn't argue. The very next morning... He took it to his car. On the way to work, he dumped it behind an old brewery. He said no one will ever find it there. I hope not. I don't want anyone else to go through what we did. Wow. Well, shit. I got the chills. Me too. How'd you feel about the story? I feel that dark entities 
and and good entities can be can attach to um, physical objects like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I I would love to hear more about who painted it. Yeah, that's a question that went, ran through my mind too. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, how how did he come across this painting, and why did he think that it was such a great buy? Like, I I would love to see what this painting looks like. Right. It looks creepy, like the way they describe the the hands all over the glass. Yeah. And I, I totally get the description as far as it being something between two realms. Yeah. Between fantasy and reality. Exactly. But at the same time, is it fantasy though? A lot of people don't agree with this topic. And they will say, oh, it's all in your mind. But like. But for the whole family to experience the same thing. That was the next thing I wanted to bring up. It's so crazy when you have someone there in the room with you that that saw or experienced the same thing right yeah a whole ass family Mm -hmm. that's crazy I've never had a story happen to me like that having an item in the house that Mm. seems to be negative yeah I've never gone through something like that but I believe it I can't think of anything from the top of my head right now but there have there have been times where I visit someone else's home Mm -hmm. and I get a weird vibe from certain things certain furniture um staircases stuff like that Hmm. you know okay or even like a backyard or just the whole upstairs stuff like that okay well certain parts in the in a house yeah yeah like a specific item especially a painting like yeah i guess you're right that's it reminds me of the witches actually you know like when the the little girl she gets stuck in the painting 1990 witches yeah that's what that reminded me of right now grand high oh fuck yeah when she gets stuck in the painting Mm mm-hmm and she blinks or she moves around still. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a really good. That's really good. It has that kind of vibe. Yeah. That's great. I hope I never experience a, a haunted painting like that. Right. Even though I really want to go to Zach's museum because yeah. he has all kinds of haunted things. And See, shit follows that shit. But then like if you're sensitive, it can attach to you. Mm. So we just got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh those of you that like to go thrift store shopping be careful sage that shit right i know the sweater's cute girl i know also invite me i love thrifting <laughs> <laughs> but there's a blood stain on that maybe uh, maybe uh, it's ketchup oh. it's only hot. one way to find out maybe hot sauce lick it <laughs> <laughs> you crazy girl no but that was a really good one very good story hj read it to your kids so another one that i haven't read yet is um chapter six grandma's doll i mean it sounds creepy for several reasons right Mm -hmm. so i I think we should do it grandma's doll chapter six page 53 all this happened when i was just a little girl but i remember it well it was the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me i don't know if i should be writing it down though people who hear this story have told me weird stuff happens Ooh. Sorry, that part freaked me out. I got the chills right there. Ooh, it says, people who hear this story have told me weird stuff happens to them after listening to it. I apologize in advance, you guys. <laughs> yes, I want to do it right now. Uh, so okay. after, so if you hear this whole story, if something happens to you that's a little bit odd, can you please reach out? Damn, I feel bad, but... It's on me in the emails reaching out. Sorry, not sorry. Let's do it. Ready? Okay. All right. It's like somehow the thing knows when it's being spoken about and it makes itself felt. No. (laughs) 
This is great. A whole ass vibe. Mind you guys, we're in darkness, and I just have one little light for the book to read it. That's a whole vibe. I'm going to bed. No, you're not, bitch. Ready? All right. All right. I want to write this down, but you don't have to read it. It might find out you've read this. If something happens, it's not my fault, okay? Ah, the hell with it. Read it. I don't care. You guys, that's not me. That's the book. (laughs) (laughs) Book. Okay. Ready? Mm -hmm. So, oh my God. Okay. Something doesn't want me to read this. So when I was a little girl, 11, that summer vacation, I went to stay with my grandma in Key West. I know what you're thinking. Old folks in Florida, what a cliche. Well, it's a cliche because it's true. When my grandpa died, my grandma left North Dakota and moved to Florida. The money from selling the farm bought her a good-sized house on Eaton Street, She loved it. The weather, the people, the lack of winter. My mom decided a couple of years after Grandma had moved south that I should go and spend two weeks of the summer vacation in Florida. My mother said it was so I could spend more, quote-unquote, quality time with my grandmother. Right. She just wanted me out of the house for two weeks. And honestly, who could blame her? Kids can be okay, but they can also be a considerable drag. It didn't hurt that I loved my grandma back then. Grandma's place was big, huge to an 11-year-old who lived her life in a trailer park in Billings. It was an old Victorian house with two floors and a turret-type thing poking out of the top. Grandma called it an attic. Grandma was what you might call practical-minded. I had a room, a huge room that led onto the balcony, all to myself. I was an 11-year-old in heaven. This was also different from Billings. Of course, if Grandma had given us some of the money from the farm, instead of buying a giant retirement house, we wouldn't... Did you hear that? Yeah. The fuck was that? I also saw, like, something float. What did you see? (laughs) Well, I don't know. It looked like something floated. I actually saw that, too. Saw the little white... It could have been Pooper's hair, I guess. Okay, let's say it's Pooper's hair. Let's do that. All right. Of course, if Grandma had given us some of that money from the farm instead of buying a giant retirement house, we would have been living, we wouldn't have been living in a trailer. The morning after I arrived, Grandma showed me around. I have to admit, it was a beautiful house, all old with high ceilings and lots of rooms. Why Grandma needed such an extravagant place all to herself, I'll never know. Finally, we went to a little staircase to the attic. It was of a dark and stuffy room. It was a turret of the house with lots of windows. It felt just like another room, but it was also dusty and musty. A mix of older people's smells and dust. Grandma kept a lot of old junk up there, including stuff she found in the house when she moved in. She might have been practical-minded, but she was also a bit of a pack rat. Of course, to an 11-year-old, all that junk was just a massive pile of treasure. I seem to remember having a great afternoon just looking through stacks of stuff with Grandma. Amazing what a child finds interesting. Among all the junk was a doll. It was old and handmade. But to young me, it looked quite cute. It was just a cloth doll, about half my height, yet somehow it seemed to me to be a great toy. My grandma disagreed. When I showed it to her, she frowned. She said something about it being, quote-unquote, too old and dirty. And then, 
as adults do, distracted me with some other nonsense. When we came down from the attic, Grandma locked the door. She told me some nonsense about the attic having some dangerous stuff and had made me promise to never go up there again. Well, the rest of the house was huge, so I had no problem agreeing to that. The next morning, I came down the hallway. I noticed that the attic door was open. I didn't think anything about it until Grandma blamed me for it. She got all angry and accused me of going up into the attic at night. Said she heard movement up there around 1 in the morning and found little footprints in the dust. Well, back then, I was a good little girl. I was fast asleep at 1, dreaming oddly enough of the doll. Besides, I didn't have the key. I finally managed to make her believe me. Once she did, a strange look crossed her face. And then she was all smiles again and talking about what we'd be doing that day. Old folks and their dementia. On the second morning, the same thing. The door was open. This time, Grandma didn't try to blame me. She just did that frowning thing and closed it up again before she went out for the day to meet with some friends and their grandkids. That's Florida's in the summer for you. Old folks and their grandkids. When we got back that afternoon, there was a surprise in my room. There was the doll from the attic sitting in my bed. I guess Grandma had slipped into the room sometime before we left. I heard her going up and shut the attic door again. In fact, I picked up the doll. I hugged it to my chest and was going to go running off to thank Grandma. Somehow, though, the thought popped into my head that I shouldn't. Somehow, that this was just for me and Grandma didn't need to be thanked. I held the doll at arm's length and stared at it. Its little black eyes seemed to stare back at me. As I looked at them, I got the feeling that I didn't need to thank anyone. The doll would look out for me. The doll was my friend. Well, what girl doesn't want a friendly doll? At dinner that night, I seemed different. Nothing Grandma said seemed to make me happy. We got into an argument, and I got sent to bed early. Well, I had my new friend. I slept with the doll. In the morning, we both tried to forget what had happened the night before. Grandma said I was obviously overexcited and tired. I let it go. But really, what would an older woman like her know about a child's feelings? In the afternoon, Grandma went out and left me in the house. She said I needed some rest. To be honest, I was a bit sleepy. I lay down on the sofa for a nap. The sun coming in the window and the peaceful surroundings made for a comforting and relaxing environment. Soon, I was on that half-asleep dozy state. I heard the den door open and the sound of footsteps on the wooden floor. I was so relaxed. I just waved a hand and muttered a quick, Hi. Then the footsteps went back to the door and I heard it open. That was strange. Grandma would always reply when I greeted her. I sat up, opening my eyes just in time to see the door swing shut. Worried somewhat that Grandma was somehow still mad with me, I got up and went to her room. She'd always change when she got home. I knocked. No response. I tried it again. Nothing. Alarmed. What if she died or something? I entered, but no Grandma. The room was empty. I started to check the house, trying to find her. Then I thought, what if it's a thief? I ran to my room. I was relieved to see that the doll was still there, though he was on the floor, not on the bed where I had left him. Well, he must have fallen off. I was still there, hugging my doll, when I heard Grandma come home 30 minutes later. 
I decided not to tell her about the noises. I had probably just dreamed it. And you know how old folks get about things like that. She'd likely call the cops or something. Hearing footsteps, though, is something that people tell me happens after they hear my story. It's like they hear or read the doll's story, and then they hear something in the house with them, especially if they are alone at night. I don't want you to think I spent the whole time in Florida with my grandma. I didn't. There were other exiled kids sent to their grandparents for the summer. I got along okay with some, though my best friend in Key West was Tyra Fox. She was from Louisiana, and her family was loaded. Don't think that's why I wanted to be her friend. It was only part of it. She was also a really down-to-earth girl. We went up to my room, and excitedly she showed me what her parents had given her. She had a brand new digital camera. Those things weren't cheap back then. She was freaking out about it, as girls do, you know. Then she saw the doll. Tyra wanted to get a picture of the doll, but I wasn't so sure. I felt, I don't know, like it didn't want its photo taken. Tyra brushed that off. She lined up and took a shot of the doll on my bed. When she looked at the picture, it was a bit weird. The only part of the doll focus was its eyes, and they were red from the flash. The rest was blurry like it had been moving. Tyra liked the picture, though. She said it looked quote-unquote creepy. Oddly, I can't remember Tyra using the flash. I saw Tyra the next day. She was pale and worried. I had to delete that picture of the doll, she said. I asked her why. I put it up on my computer. When I brought it up, the lights started to turn off in my room. I thought there was a problem with the house's electricity. My dad went down to the basement to check the electric board. He said it was open, and some of the breakers, including the one for my room, were ripped out. But my computer never went off. I nodded, but I thought I was being a bit silly. Then, she continued, my cat came in. She jumped on my lap and looked toward the computer. She changed at once. She hissed and growled at the computer. Then she swiped at me and ran off. Look, I've still got a claw marks on my arm. I deleted the picture and nothing else happened. I saw the cuts on her arm, but I said she was still acting silly. The doll was lovely, and it loved me. It was mine. It made me feel good. Since then, I've heard similar experiences from other people. Animals were behaving strangely at just the mention of the doll. Lights were flickering. Maybe it was just some truth. It's evil, said Tyra. Well, that was enough. Silly stories are just one thing. Insulting my doll was another. I threw her out of the house and never saw her again. Grandma asked what was wrong. I just said, Tyra was stupid. Grandma looked at me funny and said she was going to tidy up my room. That was fine. Saved me from doing it. It was only after she'd been gone for 10 minutes that I remembered the doll. I ran up the stairs, but Grandma already had the doll and was heading for the attic. I cried, I begged, I shouted at her. Nothing would stop her, and she took it back into the attic. When she came back down, I told her I hated her. She pushed me down into the chair and sat next to me. She started talking. Even though I was still crying, she started going on about how I'd changed. When I'd come to her, I'd been... Nice, according to Grandma. Then I met the doll, and I became different. That's what she said. I was 11, so I believed her. I stopped crying. I hugged my grandma and promised I'd never go back in the attic for the doll. 
Strangely, I actually meant it. We got all dressed up and went out for dinner at a fancy restaurant that night. I was impressed. I felt grown up in my dress, dining on fine china. I have no idea how much Grandma paid for that meal, but looking back, I figured it was probably more than we spent in a week on food. I felt like a little princess when I got back to Grandma's. I slipped into bed and drifted off into dreams of princes and unicorns. The silly stuff of an 11-year-old's fantasy. I woke up hearing the door close. I guess Grandma had come to check on me. It gave me a warm feeling. I then heard another noise. It sounded like one of my drawers opening and then closing. It couldn't be. In the faint light of my room at night, it was clear that there was no one there. Then the closet door opened. I heard it, and I saw it dimly move. It stayed open for a minute, then slammed shut with a bang. I was going to scream, but fear kept me silent. Then my dresser started to move. First, it seemed to shuffle a little. Then it moved properly, sliding forward towards my bed. I couldn't believe it. My eyes were focused on it, trying to see in the dim light who could be moving it. The dresser got closer to the bed. It didn't look like it was going to stop. It was going to hit the bed with me in it. Suddenly, my frozen body started to move. I pushed myself to the other side of the bed and I screamed. I let out all of the fear and panic I had in. Long and loud scream. As I screamed, the doors of my dresser sprang open. All of the clothes exploded out of the drawers and hung motionless in the air over my bed. Then the door opened and the light came on. The clothes all dropped onto my bed, and I saw Grandma standing in the doorway, looking at the foot of my bed. There, sitting on the footboard, was the doll. It seemed to be looking straight at me. I hadn't brought it in, I hadn't brought it in there, and Grandma certainly wouldn't. I leaped out of bed, into Grandma's arms, shaking and crying. Her face was a mask of hate. It wasn't directed at me, though. She was staring at the doll. We finish this now, she said in a voice I've never heard from her before. Grandma made me put on a coat over my pajamas, and then we got into the car. The doll went into the trunk. In the middle of the night, we drove down to the end of Duval Street. Grandma made me stay in the car. Then she went to the trunk and got the doll. With the strength I didn't think she had, she threw the doll out into the sea. We went back to Grandma's place. The next week passed peacefully. Boring is what I call it now. I felt more like myself. Grandma and I never fought. She was very kind and generous to me, and I felt very thankful to her. There was one odd thing. The day I left, Grandma gave me the key and sent me to the attic to get a photo album to take home for my mother. I found it quickly enough and started to head for the attic door. Then I got a bad feeling like someone was in the attic with me, staring at me. I turned around slowly, and there it was. The doll was sitting on top of the box by the window, all dusty, looking just like it had when I first saw it. Part of me wanted to grab it and take it back to Billings with me. I started towards it when Grandma called up for me from the bottom of the stairs. At the sound of her voice, I suddenly had the opposite feelings, like I hated and feared the doll. I ran for the door and down the stairs. 
After I got back to Billings, my mother said she'd never send me to grandma's again. She said I came back bitter and nasty. I think I came back smarter and less childish. I've seen the doll sometimes on the internet and TV. Every time I see it, I realize I should have taken it with me that day. So they dropped it in the sea. And it swam its ass back. And it swam its ass back. (laughs) (laughs) This is a true story. I mean, I've heard of stories where, you know, for example, like the Ouija board, right? Oh, yeah. That's, That's the vibe it gave me. Like, people have tried to get rid of it in their stories, and it just pops right back up. Ah. But she's seen the doll on TV and the, on the internet. Like, which doll is she talking about? Yeah, apparently it's a little boy doll. Oh, yeah. I was picturing a little girl doll. Me too. Isn't that funny? In the first the first story, too, I was picturing a female, too. I don't know why. Just get a vibe. But she said that it had little black eyes. I don't know. On TV? I guess. Hmm. I don't know. Oh, I'm trying to think of if I can remember or if any. Uh, like famous dolls on TV? Yeah, if I have any recolle- recollection? recollections. That one was pretty creepy, though. That was creepy. Yeah. Watch us hear things right now. Like, right. Yeah. Well, you know. No. no. <laughs> well, you know, shot. it doesn't work. It doesn't. It doesn't count because I've been hearing stuff in the attic. Our attic. And it's footsteps. Great. Now I'm really going to hear it, huh? Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. That was a good bedtime story. That, those <laughs> were both good bedtime stories. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed them. Those were two chapters out of H.J. Tidy's book, My Creepy Paranormal Story. Tune in next week for some more Scary Stories and Cheese This episode of Scary Encounters is brought to you by Anchor, podcasting made easy. Anchor.fm Mortis Viventi, the last authentic music brand dedicated to helping musicians and promoting music. MortisVaventi.com H.J. Tidy, Night Terror Publishing Step into the bizarre world of H.J. Tidy who is committed to introducing his readers to some of the most unusual, darker variety of true stories. NightTerrorPub.com Sayasha Gianna, Cosmic Shaman, Psychic Medium, Multidimensional Healer, Animal Whisperer, Teacher of Empaths, Healers, and Starseeds. Are your encounters hitting too close to home? Contact Sayasha Gianna patreon.com slash sayasha voided spooky artist who offers hand-painted one-of-a-kind items spooky pins prints stickers and more lost in a void of what is dead voided.com